want to welcome everyone to the services tonight. We thank you for your presence. We have many visitors tonight. Song service was exceptional. You know, for my part, we could just go ahead and all sit down and we'll just sing the rest of the hour. We might all be benefited by that. But um, we, uh, for those of you that weren't here this morning, Van had a really good lesson on drifting. Um, I especially enjoyed it. I failed to tell him this morning. I didn't, I didn't see him afterwards, but I, I, I especially enjoyed it. And I think it'll fit very well with what I have to say. Um, when I, he asked me to talk tonight, and when I came in this morning, he, uh, he asked me if I was ready. And I said, well, I, I think I am, but it depends on what your subject is today. And uh, he said, if it ended up being the same as his, I could just get up tonight and say amen. So I may just say amen and let's sing the rest of the hour. Ben's talk and my subject do have a lot in common. But I guess that's no surprise since we use the same book for our research. My subject for tonight is time. I always forget to turn this on until I get up here. You know, I was sitting back there in the seat saying, don't forget to turn it on, don't forget to turn it on. I still did it. My, my subject tonight is time, like I said. For those of you that may be younger and don't remember when we counted time by the hourglass, that's what that is. It's an hourglass. And I use it to illustrate... Our subject this evening, the sand in the glass flows from one chamber to the next and it's constricted in the middle so that the amount of sand in that, in that chamber takes it exactly an hour to pass to the other chamber. And then you can turn it over and you got a, you got a full hour again. We all have cell phones now that, that serve as a calendar. The service clock, alarm, reminder, date book, etc. I, I haven't wore a watch since I got a smartphone. You know, uh, I, n I never really liked wearing one anyway. It got in the way and I broke them or I got them wet working. And, and so when I started carrying a phone that had, had a clock on it, I didn't see the need. And that just... That just glued me to my phone, you know, and then they got to doing more and more and more things. And so all of us, I, I don't doubt that every one of you sitting here in the audience, if you're of age, have a cell phone in your pocket or your purse. So we're not, any of us, very far away from time. We have calendar reminders. We have alerts. We have alarms. They go off and tell us what's coming up, what's around the corner. And uh, I want to use I want to use this subject tonight as a reminder to all of us that there's some things we can't set an alarm for. You know, we don't have a warning for. Ben used a nautical reference this morning in his subject of drifting away. The subject being, as Christians, we need to hold course. We need to take. 
take note of where we're at, where we're headed, so that we don't get too far away from our, our intended destination. Time is one of the components used to calculate travel in the past, especially, and determine where you are and where you're going to go. So you don't drift off course. So in that respect, our lessons do share something in common. In my research, I learned that explorer Ferdinand Magellan used 18 hourglasses in the ships that he used to circumvent the globe the first time. I thought that was rather interesting. You know, he, he used that, that tool so that he made sure he didn't go adrift, end up in the wrong place. He got to his uh, proposed destination. Here we see that the Wikipedia definition for time is, time is the in indefinite continued process of existence and events that occur in apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present and to the future. It's how we measure the progress of our existence. It's how we measure anything that we do in life. Usually the best place to start with a, a study is at the beginning. So in the study for time, about time, I want to turn back to Genesis in the beginning. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. In the evening and the morning were the first day. Can you imagine not ever being early to any early or late to anything? You know, with what God set here in the in the creation, we now have a way to measure time. The evening and the morning were the first day. First 24-hour day. Have you ever thought about the fact that measuring time didn't exist before that moment? We know that God is eternal and with no, with no beginning and no end. In Revelations 1 and 8 it says, I am Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Over the next few verses in Genesis, God counts off the seven days of the week. And we all know the creation story. We've read it. We've studied it. In seven days, God creates the heavens and the earth and all that are in them. The Roman emperor Constantine formally adopted the seven-day week in A.D. 321. It had been in use informally since the first century B.C. A Christian convert, Constantine, made Sunday the first day of the week, and he made Saturday the Jewish day of rest, 
as the last. So basically, he just acknowledged what God had already put into place. That's what we find man does. He takes the, the glory for what God has put in, in place and what God has set to happen. The Earth's orbit around the sun takes 365.24 days. A day is defined as the Earth spinning once on its axis. The Earth takes approximately 365.25 days to go around the sun, yet our calendar year is 365 days. So to fix this discrepancy in our calendar year, we have leap years every few years. We have extra days put on the calendar. This is our galaxy. All this is in order and has been since creation, how can anyone not believe in a creator? Psalms 8 and 3 says, When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? Janine and I traveled to Kentucky this summer, and we went through the Creation Museum there. It was amazing. I would encourage all of you that, that are able to do so to go see it. My favorite exhibit was a 3D screen theater where you sat back in, a, in like a recliner and you, you looked at the ceiling. It was like an amphitheater, you know, and they, they turned the lights off and, and you see the whole universe. And then they were able to to, to create an effect that you were traveling through that universe. And you see all these layers of the universe that you never, that, that exist, but you never think about. You know, we look up the sky, we see, see the stars, but it's massive. It's never ending. You know, I, I don't think that, that scientists have named near all the stars or the planets. And, and the more they learn, the bigger it gets. And uh, this was just amazing to me, the, the depth that they went to in that exhibit, and, and that it just highlighted the fact to me how great the creation was. You know, we live here on Earth, and we, we enjoy all the benefits of, of this planet, and we take them for granted. But there's also so much more that we don't think about normally that, that's out there. And, and that exhibit really brought that home to me. One of the, the signs that I saw while at that place, it, it said, as you walked into the, the exhibit, it had a sign there and it said, prepare to believe. And I, I, think, I think that's really what happens when a non-believer really truly sees the creation of God for what it is. How can you not believe in a creator? The Creation Museum was created and is supported by Christians and believing scientists that tell the Bible story of creation and support a timeline that proves the earth is six to 7,000 years old. Not the millions of years or trillions of years you hear the world teach in our school and everywhere you turn, everything you hear. 
The belief of a young earth, six to seven thousand years old, is supported in Scripture and in Genesis. If we allow worldly teachers to take that away from us, as Christians we have lost one of the foundation stones of our faith, I believe. We have all heard a lot about disinformation in the last few years. The theory that science teaches as fact and that the earth is millions of years old is the greatest misinformation campaign out there. And that's the one that we should be excited about it, concerned about. I have, good, I have a good friend that's a geologist. We've been friends since, well, for the last 40 years. And uh, they, they went to the Creation Museum with us. And uh, I hadn't, you know, we don't see each other very often. And I, over the years, we have, we have discussed creation, uh, Genesis, you know, the, the time span that, that the world teaches. And, and uh, he really bought into that because that's what he was taught. That's what he was taught in college and his study of geology. And uh, early on in our, in our friendship, I had a hard time believing he could do that, you know, but that's what he was told. That's what he studied. That's, that's what he was taught. And, uh, you know, I, I was basically unlearned. <laughs> and that, I think that's the way he looked at me most of the time. You know, I, I, I was raised on a farm, uh, went to church, read the Bible, and I believed it. And, uh, you know, as we grew, both of us, we grew together. And, uh, you know, he come around. But he come around because of things he saw in his work. As he, as he uh, experienced the things in the ground that he, that he saw. And ge as a geologist, you know, he, he looks at bo soil samples, bore samples, and, and tries to determine, you know, where the oil's at. You know, and they use time and evidence that they find to do that. And, and you know what? He believes in a 6,000, 7,000-year-old earth today, not millions of years, because of the evidence he's seen. And that, that encourages me that there's people out there in the world, and like the scientists at this creation museum, that believe the same way I do. I believed it because that's what I read, and I believe I didn't need any more evidence. I, I believe that when we start looking for a lot of evidence to support our faith, the devil sometimes leads us in a, in a in the different direction. But we need to latch on to all the evidence that's out there that does support it, you know, when we can, and help those that, that need that to help them grow. You know, man has come up with all kinds of contraptions and ways to measure time in smaller and smaller increments and more and more accurate. Clocks, they fine-tune the time in the day. Early travel, travelers used the stars and the sun. The sundial, water clocks. Now we have our phones. All of this in an effort to tell us where we are in time with a system that God put in place in the first chapter of Genesis. Now that, that should increase your faith. Please turn to 2 Peter 3 with me. 
We can read there. In this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter speaks of scoffers here and unbelievers who look at the recent past and assume that the future will continue to be the same. A good example of that is the sun coming up each morning. It always has done so, and we expect it will in the morning. That is the mindset of the world. Things will continue on as they always have. It's easy for us to fall into this mindset. It's almost a necessity for us to do so, to be able to function in our world. We plan, we make provision for the future based on what we know of the past. I believe God has given us reminders in nature that remind us that time changes all things. Next year is not going to be the same as any year before it. Time is one component of the aging process. I believe as we grow older, the baggage that comes with age, the aches and pains that remind us of our mortality, and that our time is coming to an end. You know, when I was 30, I didn't ever think about coming up them steps. It never crossed my mind I might have an issue. Now I've got a knee that's bothering me, and it crossed my mind when I started up those steps. I, did, I made it, y'all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, life's not like it was 30 years ago. As sure as the world we live in was created by the Word of God, that same Word keeps all things in existence. In 2 Peter 3, 5-7, we read, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the Word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world then that was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of godly men. The heavens and the earth are kept in existence and reserved for that day of judgment when, we'll, when it all will be destroyed. Be sure and teach your children these things. They will not learn them in school. God does not count time as we do. Hugh talked in the past about God's eternal perspective. God does not live with the constraints of time that we do as humans. We are consumed with the here and now, with timetables, with deadlines, etc. Your perspective changes when you look at something in the past, in the present, or in the future. I do not see things the same as I did when I was 20 years old, or 40 years old, now that I'm 63, 
60 plus. When I was 20, I had all my life ahead of me. And I had a lot of plans. Few of them came to be. Many of them didn't turn out like I thought. When I was 40, I was raising kids. And I had plans for them. And some of them didn't work out either. Now that I'm 63, I don't have so much life ahead of me anymore. And it's starting to dawn on me that, you know, I've got, I've got things that I'm not going to get around to. The truth is, none of us know how much longer we have. That's the thing about time. It's, it's elusive. In 2 Peter 3 and 8 it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Many people use this verse to say, Well, you know, the Genesis story, every one of those days was maybe a thousand years. It was a period of time. You know, no, God defined it. It was... Sundown and you know, sunrise and sunset, it was a 24-hour day. This verse here is telling you that God to God time doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. And someday it's gonna be like that with us. You know, we're gonna we're gonna live forever. We just don't know where we're gonna live. But we do have a period of time that we we live here on this earth that should mean a lot to us. And we need to be ready. We need to be using that period of time that we have to prepare. Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the scoffers above reason that since all things seem to continue as they always had, that there was no God. And that time would continue as it had in the past. That's the mindset of our world today. The devil has convinced the world that all things are going to continue as they are. The world has existed for millions and millions of years and will continue to do so. A few years ago, all you heard about was global warming. That didn't work out, so now... They call it climate change. You know what? God told us that there was going to be change from the beginning. The facts are, in God's Word, in Isaiah 51 and 6, He said, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment. The earth getting old and wore out is nothing new. That God's Word has always spoke of it. In Peter, 2 Peter 3, 13 and 14, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Peter here encourages us not to be slothful. Don't get sloppy in your relationship with God. Don't drift, like Van taught us about this morning. 
Here in 15 it says, An account that long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you. Just as was said early in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some man count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The long-suffering of God allows time for more to be saved. Sixteen through seventeen says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He's telling them not to drift here. He's telling them if you've read God's Word, you know His promises. You know what He's told you. You know what He's warned you about. He's telling them to beware and don't be influenced by the world. Good advice here. Worldly men cannot understand the Word of God. It doesn't make sense to them. They cannot rationalize God's Word. So don't fall into that trap. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You know, as I said before, Van talked about drifting away this morning. He talked about being diligent. The only way we can stay close to God is to work at it, is to grow, just as Peter says here. The way we grow is to put effort into it. Just like any relationship we have in this life, we have to work at it. I confess, I don't work hard enough. Why? I guess I'm a procrastinator. I think there's always tomorrow. And that's a, that's a bad habit to get into. Matthew 25 says, And then the kingdom of heaven should be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for you and us. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went into him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also other virgins saying, the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Have you ever been late to something or got locked out? I've been late here, believe it or not. 
Tyson had to come let me in a couple of times. You know, we, we uh, for security reasons, the elders have decided that once the service starts, we lock the door, and the deacons stand in the back, and they, they let folks in as they come up. You know, let's use that as a reminder to us to be prepared. Don't be late when the trumpet sounds. Go back to that hourglass. Picture this in your mind. Picture that sand as your life. And that hourglass representing your lifetime. I wonder how much sand's left. You know, I think that's something we need to keep in our minds all the time. I don't think it needs to make us sad. You know, if we're, if we're doing what the Lord tells us to do, we ought to be the happiest people in the world. When, when we're sad, that means we're probably not doing what the Lord tells us to do. We're probably not living a life that we're, He would be pleased with. And if that's the case, we need to change our, our habits. We need to change our lives. We all have a finite amount of time here in this life. But we do not have the same amount of time. None of us know how much time we have. So ask yourself these questions. Do we have a sense of urgency when it comes to repairing our relationship with God? Are we living our life in a way that shows those around us we love God, we respect and fear Him? Do we believe and have confidence in God's promises to us? Just as the parable of the five virgins, are you prepared? Are your lamps full of oil? We can't set an alarm to go off an hour before so we can get ready. God's Word tells us how to be prepared. In John 3, and 36, he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Believe in Christ. Romans 10 and 9 says, If thou shalt confess thy mouth with the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We need to confess that Christ is the Son of God. Acts 2 and 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got to repent of our sins. We've got to change our life. Acts 22 and 16, it says, And now why tarriest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We have to be buried with Him in baptism to walk in a new life. Ananias told Paul here. But that's not the end of it. In Colossians 1 and 23 it says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature and which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Continue in the grace of our Lord and Savior. 
Remember the parable of the virgins. After this, we're just waiting for the Lord's return. Are we not? And while you're waiting, don't drift. Grow in faith. Grow in the Spirit. Grow in the fruits of the Spirit. And grow in good works. And tell others about Christ. Remember the hourglass? How much sand's left in yours? I'll leave the lesson with you. We're going to offer the invitation now for any of you that might need assistance in becoming a member of the Lord's Church or might need prayers of the church. We encourage you to come while we stand and sing.